All right, Cote, uh, many people know you as a famous podcaster, but they may not know that you're actually a famous uh, YouTuber and TikToker. And mm. uh, we're going to fix that issue today because you have been uh, growing your presence. You've been doing lots of different fun uh, short videos on like all the new video platforms. And one of the things that caught my eye was this whole yeah. uh, new series you've been doing. It's, uh, well, uh, I guess we'll, we'll try to keep it uh, PG. It's uh, the business BS dictionary. So that's right. So what I thought we would do today is you've kind of taken a bunch of short videos uh, and I thought what we do is maybe jump through some of the things and maybe talk a little bit about both kind of like what the, if you will, simple definition is of some of these things. And then of course, maybe we can offer our own commentary of like what's really going on behind the scenes at some of these sure. situations. So yes. let's, uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's go. Let's the one that you started off was maybe the uh, the broadest one, maybe in some ways the most telling thing about all businesses. It's uh, bureaucracy. So, tell us what does bureaucracy mean? Well, I think, and and you're right. It's kind of it, uh, represents the pattern of a lot of these. And and bureaucracy in in like a corporate context, like a big big organization enterprise thing, typically it means like it's it's you know, it means the way thing decisions are made, kind of the way that things are operating. Uh, you know, literally it comes from the French of like a bureau, a desk. So it's sort of like the mechanics of how things work. But the reason why this is the business BS or bullshit dictionary is uh, because it's, uh, as Tyler Cowen would say, there's a Straussian reading to this. It always means something way beyond the literal thing it is. And whenever someone uses the word bureaucracy, they're actually talking about something that they don't like, like all the process they have to go through, people they have to deal with, like rules they have to follow. It's just like too much, too many things that they need to do. Like it's very rare. I don't know how it is in other languages, but in English, you're never like, man, this bureaucracy is really a core differentiator for us, right? Like you only ever say bureaucracy when it's something that you don't like. And I think, um, you know, if if you think of all the stuff that you like the meeting it's usually like meetings or processes you have to follow or like i was just renewing uh you know some whatever that kind of annual corporate training that we all have to go through that's i i should do a little video on that that's not exactly bureaucracy but it's kind of representative of just like yeah just some shit that we have to do that really i and i think the ultimate kind of like thing about bureaucracy is like if you were to go to kind of a more seniorish leader and say, do we need to be doing this? They would say, I don't have time to even think about that. Right. Like there's really, usually if someone calls something bureaucracy, it means it doesn't need to exist. There's no actual value for it, but like you just kind of keep doing it because no one really knows otherwise. And there's also like, I think uh, there's kind of like anywhere from malicious to, strategic intent behind some bureaucracy, right? Like a lot of times, you know, you need a lot of people to run a bureaucracy. So a lot of times it's sort of like, well, if we didn't have this, I wouldn't be needed, right? Or, or you know, not to be so like, like um, uh, zero summary-ish about it, but like, it's sort of like, oh, well, your what you call bureaucracy is my beloved job, right? Like I like this process and I like doing these things and being involved in something. So Again, it's just like any process that you have to do at work that you think is useless and you don't want to do. So, but I think you hit on the part that I think is like so like kind of the meta or the deeper interesting part of the word bureaucracy is that that 
one person's bureaucracy is another person's culture or one person's bureaucracy is another yeah. person's like strategic advantage. And I think this is why, um, because I think what you just said there was like, in this way, certainly the way it's used mostly here in, uh, in the United States and I assume everywhere in English is like bureaucracy is always really kind of pejorative, right? But if someone says, um, and I'll just pick, you know, let's just pick a book. Like we, we reviewed uh, Working Backwards from um, Amazon uh, yes. and Back, right? That's, yeah, yeah. And so you can kind of read it two different ways. You know, and I think in the, in our review of it, I think we kind of, um, you know, hopefully, I think we picked out some things that we thought were interesting, right? And then we also picked out some stuff that just kind of seemed like this kind of felt bureau- bureaucratic, kind of boring, right? And so, but yeah. of course, you know, from the perspective of the writers, it's like, no, this is the secret sauce, right? And let's just pick like one arbitrary thing was like, you know, um, you always write a press release, right, before mm. you do the launch. And so, that can be a very useful thing, but you could see some time going by at Amazon, maybe 20 years went by and everything has changed. Right. And they're still in the checklist is always like, did you write the, uh, the press release for the launch? Right. But it's just, yeah. it just becomes a checklist. There's no longer the culture of like a Bezos or someone reading it. It's just like, Oh, this has just been on the list for the last 20 years. And uh, no one really reads it. We don't really do it. And we don't really care about it. Cause I think that's what you see in like, if you will, larger, older companies will often kind of have these things. Like the reason it once existed has either the champion has left the company, the cultural importance of it has faded, but you can't really get rid of it. So that's why I think, you know, it's easy to say, you know, it's all bureaucratic and we shouldn't do it. And I think, you know, even the other one you said there was like the corporate training, like, you know, oftentimes a way to look at that is I think for us taking it is it does feel very bureaucratic and kind of just meaningless in many ways. But I think to the legal team, let's just pick that one as another one. To yeah. like legal team, they're like, we successfully uh, reduced our potential uh, liability for some problem because we went through all the bribery training and the oh. um, uh, treat the HR treatment and we have that kind of stuff. And so they look at it like, yeah, by going through all of this and having all the evidence that everyone attested uh, that they did the training actually reduces our liability significantly. It doesn't mean it won't happen. Absolutely. Means, so, so to that group, it's like, look what I just did. I just saved the company uh, or reduced the liability company by several hundred millions of dollars. And so I don't know. So it is like a very, uh, and also too, like you, we probably were really honest with ourselves. Like, we are often like the source of some bureaucracy to someone, right? And I think, you know, being a parent, it's very easy to see like your child yeah, going yeah. to school and being like, you're not going to believe some of the bureaucracy we have at our house. They'll probably use different <laughs> words, right? But they'll be like, I cannot believe I, I this crazy thing I have to do. Um, yeah. and like, why do I have to take a shower every night? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's certainly for young teenage boys. That's, that's, <laughs> that's check. Uh, uh, that's one for sure. But there's many others. And I think it's- Why do I need shoes? So, so those things, uh, kind of come out, but I do, it is, it, it is one of those things that you're right. And I do think, um, to your point though, and I think maybe in defense of bureaucracy a little bit is, is a little bit of, um, the recent, uh, craziness that went on at open AI. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There are times, like, if you want to think of it as a brake pedal, right? Like a brake pedal on, on, on making decisions and corporations, like, Sometimes it is good to be like, well, not everyone can just log into the uh, corporate spending account and like fire off a $2 million PL, right? Because we did that a lot. We would really get into a lot of problems. Or uh-huh. uh, where I was going with OpenAI, it's like, you know, maybe there should be a motion 
to uh, replace the CEO. But it has to, you know, it takes a couple of weeks. Like people have to talk about it yeah. before it's done versus like, you know, immediately being uh, done. So I don't know. I think that's why um, the struggle, the corporate struggle is all about finding uh, the bureaucracy that's important to you, right? And then maybe finding a way to ignore yeah. the other parts. Exactly. And, you know, you brought up like, like I don't always, most of these I tried to keep to like 60 seconds or less. So there's, there's not a lot of time. This for is nuance, director's but, cut of your, yes, uh, all yeah. of your videos. But, but, you know, with, with, with many of these, and especially this one, like you brought up the, um, uh, I don't know, I'll use a fancy word. There's a dichotomy that you have between, one can have between bureaucracy and culture, right? They're not like exact opposites, but often like I should do one on culture, but when you hear someone say culture, that is, pretty much well there's times when you use it in a negative way but it's more or less used in a positive way at least in our world right like and so and then if you you know when you peel back the uh peel back the layers when you kind of try to see what the here's another fun word actionable parts of culture are it's really just like the processes that you follow like there's a whole other part about like you know your mindset and your style and like you know your humaneness but that's but most of what is going on with culture is just like the process that we have the the approach that we have to thinking about problems do we have a culture of exploring new ideas and taking risks or do we have a culture of counting every penny and making sure we're making money and so forth and so on so like like it's almost like you know the uh the lawyers in your example they would have a culture of um uh you know being very thorough and making sure they're managing as much risk as possible which like sounds like a good culture to me <laughs> for for what they're doing, uh, but you know, cu culture is another word like this that uh, drives me. Kind yeah, of and that's why I think this bureaucracy they're so like interrelated because I I'm kind of at the point and longtime listeners are probably you know nothing new to them for me to say this, but like things that are written values, right? Like, you know, to steal from, mm. um, you know, I guess Ben Horowitz, right? You know, the idea there is sort of like, you know, there's like values versus virtuals, like just writing down a value and every corporation has some set of values. Just something that's written on a website is mostly useless. It's just kind of doesn't mean anything, right? But a virtue is like putting into practice some task or process or method of like actually, you know, instilling that value is is actually interesting to me, right? And I think that's where the bureaucracy comes into. And I think sometimes, and I think let's pick on something that um, is maybe closer to our world is like agile, right? Like you will find people that feel like the agile process and the ceremonies that are inside of agile as to be extremely beneficial to keeping the, the company on track and software to be developed. You'll find maybe now an equal amount of people that will tell you this is all bureaucracy, right? The stand-up meetings and, you know, the planning and, and all of that. And it's like, you know, both of these things can be true. So I do think it's uh, worth, anytime I in, encounter some bureaucracy to be like, well, at least try to acknowledge like, where is it coming from? Does it tie yeah. to any corporate value at all? And, and then also times uh, to challenge it, to be like, this has actually been on the list for 35 years, right? It's like, <laughs> I'm trying to think what it was. It's like, uh, um, you know, make sure before you release the software to like, uh, to, uh, uh, save everything to a CD ROM or something like that. You're like, I think we, that we can get rid of. Like that is no longer, <laughs> uh, necessary, right? Or whatever, whatever arbitrary thing exists. So I don't know. As you think about bureaucracy, maybe you think about what the origin <clears throat> is, who maybe is, thinks it's important. And then occasionally maybe it is worth fighting back against. So. That's a little bit on bureaucracy. Now, closely related to bureaucracy, another, you know, 
fun word. So we're going to talk about politics, but like, we're just going to, I don't know. I was about to say small P politics, but really corporate politics, not like yes. global politics. We're not going to get into that. So, uh, I don't know. How do you, uh, what do you think about politics? How do you define that one? Well, I think, I think, you know, I'm, I'm as, as with so much stuff that I make, I kind of forget what I said. I should have reviewed it, but what, what, you know, generally when, when I, when I think of the word poli- corporate politics, it basically is purely like subjective human involvement in things, right? So bureaucracy is kind of like humanless processes that, that you have to do. That ultimately, like we were saying, people have to, you know, people make up their own bureaucracy. They can unmake it <laughs> if, if they want to, unless, unless there's like regulations and laws you have to follow, which that's a whole other thing. But politics is more like that person likes this or doesn't like this and they have the power to like be anywhere from annoying to like completely killing this thing that you have and and so also like it's kind of like when you've got to like know how someone thinks and how they want to talk and then it's also like knowing the right um like like you know there's a lot of like meeting stuff that I go over too where it's just like You've got to like have someone involved and get like their kind of approval on ideas. Approval is even too strong of a word, but they just want to have had someone ask them, right? And so there's this politics of like, well, if we don't have this person be friendly with us, then things are going to be harder, right? And now that's like one version, one version of politics. And another version, I mean, the other kind of effects of politics in big companies expand from that, which is you're almost like what 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 is that thing it's uh is it learned helplessness or it's like self-censorship sort of where like you kind of know the way that all these other people think and what they would do in a situation and at that point you sort of like are self-politicking yourself <laughs> you're like well <laughs> like like you know i would propose doing this but like those two people over there they're just not you know the politics are bad right like right. there's a lot of other stuff going on so it's like i feel like in a corporate context politics more or less means like and again, like, like to use it, it's sort of like the mood and the subjective, like, like thinking and choices that that other people will be making. And then that expands out into sort of just like kind of uh, less directly attached to person that like, you know, um, well, you know, like one one kind of example of that. A lot of stuff in big, big companies come down to like, you know, money and power. Right. And like so you could say, especially in the kind of line of work I've done over the 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 decades, right? Like, well, we want to introduce a new product line and a new way of doing things, but, uh, you know, the hardware people are not going to like it. So the politics are bad, right? Like it's, it's not going to like, they don't really, they're not on board. There's another good one uh, with it. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I think what you're kind of getting at there is like, I kind of think of, uh, these things very related. So maybe bureaucracy uh, to use a metaphor is, is like the machinery of the factory, Mm. And the politics is sort of like understanding who has control of which machines, uh, what the limits of that, the, the outputs, if you will, of that machinery is and, and kind of their motivations. Right. And I think, and I think to your thing about like, you know, power persuasion. And also I think it's sometimes too, like, we just don't like kind of come back to like the more self 
the more simple answer is just like, hey, everybody has a role at a company. Everyone wants to be valued. And most importantly, everyone wants to usually stay at the company and not be, you know, dismissed for any reason. So sometimes politics is just simple as like, listen, I believe I'm adding value to this company. I want to continue to do that. And if I feel like you are encroaching on me, if you're sort of either taking my position and showing that it's not necessary or showing I'm doing a poor job, right? Everyone's reaction, uh, mine included, is to sort of, you know, if you will, to retaliate in some way, right? And, and this, I yeah. don't mean physically, but I mean, sort of like, uh, that would be sort of, if you will, withholding the machine saying it's like, well, you didn't follow the process, so I can't approve your thing. Like if you go, um, exactly. a big release that has really important stuff and like you call the legal team like 30 minutes before and like, Hey, I'm about to do this. <laughs> I get your sign off, right? They're going to probably tell you not only you're not getting my sign off, but I'm actually going to prohibit you. I'm going to find some way to stop you. Right. And I think because you're kind of showing, if you will, a little bit of, at least in, I think they could take it as disrespect, right? Or maybe it's just not knowing. So, uh, and flipping that around, sometimes like I think if you go to the legal team beforehand and you say, hey, I need your help on this and we need, and even if you volunteer, like this is new, we haven't done this before and I need you to help me figure out how to do it to minimize liability, right? That's sort of like the po- quote unquote politics, right? That is something that they will often engage with uh, in a much more meaningful way. So I don't know, it's like, I think people always just say like, oh, I don't want to be involved in the politics. And it's like, I understand the instinct, but it's sort of like, as soon as you, <laughs> as soon as you show up and you have like one other coworker, as soon as you have two people, like you have some level of politics and certainly when yeah. you yeah, organizations, and, it's even worse. Go ahead. And, and, you know, with that phrase of like, I don't want to be involved in the politics, it's making me, you know, think like, like an additional angle to politics is it's, it's kind of like the bureaucracy angle where like in the grand scheme of thing, you don't, you shouldn't need to do it. <laughs> right. Like like if, if you were to do a value stream map of and removed waste from the process of running an organization, like politics would be something you would remove. It would just be like, does doing did this add any value to the end user or the customer? No, this is just like appeasing some other people along the way. Right. right. Because like if it did add value. Right. Then again. As with the other word, like no one says politics in a good way, right? Like, you know, you're working backwards is a great example because it's full of all of these types of things. And it just depends on your perspective. Like no one would say like, oh, yeah, well, this is how the politics work in Amazon, right? Like all, all the various people, how would it even apply then? Like you have to, uh, you're going to have to go to the single threaded leader or I don't even know. But right, you know, you could find some angle in the Amazon process that like, ah, there's the politics. But because people like it and it works, it's just... It's not politics because it maybe adds value to it. So that's the other thing about politics is like, it's not really very clear that it's valuable or needed for the process. It's just, you need it for the people uh, who are, who are, are, are involved. And I think, you know, one thing you said there that I, I think, you know, kind of in the spirit of trying to maybe position it slightly more positively, right. Is like, mm. you could sometimes you can change the word politics for perspectives, Right. It's not so much oh, yes. that the people themselves are um, because what you'll see in a meeting and many meetings, what you just said there, like somebody will open up with like the well-worn cliches like team. We got to really focus in on what's important to the customer. And it's like and at that moment, of course, my head head internally explodes and I actually just want to <laughs> run out of the room because but another way of saying that would just be we have a group of people here that bring vastly different perspectives and probably different motivations, right? But everyone is mostly aligned with already, they're, they're doing what they believe is best for the customer 
at that moment. So that's why that's why that line is always very frustrating. But they may have a very different perspective. Again, to keep pick, picking on legal, I think legal is sort of like, listen, we can't do we can't ship this to the customer and have liability on us and the customer, right? That would be a way of, of saying something like that. It's like, that's not being customer focused. Whereas maybe you're the team that's like, I, I built this great yeah. new widget. And as soon as they get the new widget, it's going to like change their lives. And it's like, well, that's just a different perspective. Cause maybe the legal person is like, I don't even think what you're doing is important, but it, it, that doesn't matter. I just yeah. think about the liability. So in that moment, you just have different perspectives. And then that sort of translates into politics. Well, what does the legal team need how do i sway them or how do i sway the testing team or the hardware team or whatever along those lines i like that perspective is a, a good word and and may, maybe you know to 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 add add one more thing to the politics like i th- i think the the legal example it's a good thing to walk through with all of these like and this is slightly related but you could see for example in our area choosing an open source license probably is fraught with all sorts of politics right depending on the decision makers and what their own beliefs are, how they've been burned or benefited from other licenses and things like that. Like that is an area where like, to use one of my favorite phrases, phases, taking a step back. If you were to look at like all the stuff, like really there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot that needs to be discussed about various open source licenses. It's just like, we know what they all do. Right. But you could get in a political situation where someone really wants to debate like the Apache license versus this license versus that. And like, and like, it's all based on just like, Oh, you either uh, stole some source code to run it as a SAS stole is the wrong word. You can tell <laughs> right. my politics of the situation or someone took your source code and ran it as a SAS, <laughs> right? Like, and so whatever angle you're on, there's going to be some, uh, some, you know, the, the open source people have lots of politics uh, wrapped up in what they do. Yeah, that's a great example of it. So, well, if you think about politics and, you know, really when you're interacting or in a quote unquote political environment, you know, the number one thing is communication, right? You kind of have to figure Mm. out how to communicate all these different things. And of course, businesses have their own unique uh, way of communicating. So let's start with one of maybe software defined talks, all time favorites, the deck. Kote, what do we mean by the deck? The deck. The deck is your PowerPoint, your presentation. That's that's pretty much it. And, and and as I note in the video, this is I, I, I enjoyed this clever moment when I was editing. I was like, ah, still got it. It's like, you know, if if uh, if you're really you know, if you're really weird, you probably you might use Apple Keynote. And uh, if you work in engineering, you'll use Google Slides. But other than that, it's PowerPoint. Yeah. And I think you know, other Always than Amazon, PowerPoint. it is PowerPoint, like the deck. And when we say that PowerPoint is the language of business and I don't you know. At this point, like I know a lot of people would be like, oh, PowerPoint is sort of just a, uh, if you will, a, a Word doc turned in landscape, right? You know, that's my thing. Like that. And that's your, yeah, that's your thing, right? And it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm totally fine with that because I don't want to like re- write, nor do I want to read lots of documents. So I feel like it's uh, it, PowerPoint in some ways is the chat GPT of uh, before yeah. we had chat GPT, we just had everyone converting something to a PowerPoint where like it had most of the information sometimes grammatically incorrect and a few things were maybe wrong, but you could get through it pretty quick. You didn't have to read like 25, 30 page memos. So I, I've always thought, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think we're going to be the, would it be us? Maybe is it generation Z is after us or why? Whatever. Probably us Gen Xers are probably the last generation that will think it's absurd to use presentations for everything. Right. Mm. Cause like, you know, you you look at the kids today and like they turn every uh, so much stuff in on powerpoints that like they don't need to 
it could just be a paper like <laughs> and and their teachers also give them stuff and like all of their not most many, much of their assignments in powerpoint and you read it and it is like you know to use my quippy thing it's like this is a word documented printed in landscape what is this and so like you know if you grow up consuming information and producing it in in a uh, a deck then you're probably going to be like why am i writing a document this this document could have been a deck yeah right? like and and it is like and you know you and i and probably many people listening like you do learn the language of powerpoint or decks or whatever and it is a very once once you sort of accept it and learn it and actually like get good at it it is an extremely efficient way to transmit information and if you do it correctly to like update people on what's happening statuses but then also to like drive to making a decision in a short amount of time with a minimal amount of information and like so it is like I, I like PowerPoint. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I like, I like, obviously I like many other mediums of communication. Like, I think that that's clear, but I don't dislike PowerPoint. What I dislike, you know, to use one of my old dad sayings is like, I, you know, bad things are bad. Like I, <laughs> I, I dislike shitty PowerPoint. Sure. But <laughs> no. no, no, I think, you know, there's whole industries. Certainly um, there's the entire, you know, we kind of always make fun of it. The financial, uh, in, um, MBAs that are just fantastic on PowerPoint, right? They're like creating like these incredibly corporate memos. And uh, Benedict uh, Evans, of course, has this great PowerPoint. This is really a research paper he puts out every few years. And so, so there's lots of examples of that. So, but like if the deck is sort of, if you will, our uh, attempt to, uh, if you will, put corporate information in a very hopefully well done and digestible way, uh, oftentimes once the deck is created, Kote, in a corporate sense, is you have to quote unquote, Let's socialize that deck. So why yes. don't you explain what we mean by the word socialize in that, in that sentence? So, so to socialize it. So in, in, in my, in my, like, in my sort of view of what large organizations do, you know, there's, there's, there's the, there's the people doing the service or the product. And, and then there's everyone else. <laughs> so, so there's there's the widget that you make, or or the 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 service of widgetry, uh, and then everyone else is sort of just like rotating around, making sure things are fine, that they're operating, and then and then you've got some supporting stuff like you know you've got to make sure payroll happens, which is kind of just making sure things are fine. But then the whole rest of the mechanism is basically just like making decisions when they need to be made. And so like, that's what a lot of this stuff is about in, in communications is how do we, in whatever, whatever bureaucracy we have set up, accounting for the politics that we're doing, how do we get, get a deck approved to make a decision that we want? So that's when the socializing comes in. And what socializing means is that, well, I was about to say, unless you're the boss, but unless you are like a despot, like probably like the, that, that Twitter guy doesn't have to socialize things, but that's not working out very well as, as we've been seeing over the past year. Um, But to socialize means like, so you, you put together your deck and now what you've got to do is you have to go visit all of the people that will be involved in that decision, involved in a good way or also a bad way. Right. So this will, this will be primarily like, like the, the peers and the bosses of your boss, right? 
And, and so the reason, you know, whatever that situation may be, and the, and the reason you would do that is because you, you want to get two things. One, you want them to be like aware of what's happening so that they're not surprised. Like no one wants to be surprised at the big meeting uh, that you're having. And also you want to get <clears throat> what's called their input. And <clears throat> what their input is, is oftentimes people, and this gets to uh, kind of a, a, an angle of politics, is oftentimes if there's a big decision going on, like we want to acquire this company or uh, we want to start this new type of insurance business, whatever it may be, like you're going to have to go around and make sure that other people are supporting you uh, with it. And so what they're going to want to do is have uh, some input on it, something to say like, oh, have you thought of this? And I don't think that part's going to work. And that part threatens me so that I don't like it. And you're trying to kind of like rally together their support uh, and, and, and their consensus for it. And so the socializing is like, you put together the original idea and then various people go out and they, they share this, your, your deck with someone, you might email it to them. You might actually have a meeting with them. Like when, when I would do this, uh, when I was in the bowels of this kind of nonsense, like it was, it was the height of absurdity that there would be, let's say, let's say two bosses, uh, working on some strategy decision that I would be involved in, whether it's an acquisition or just changing a business around, and then each of those bosses would have their teams of people. And it's really like you socialize with the boss by socializing with the team, which is just sort of like instead of the two bosses just talking with each other, you've got these teams going back and forth. And then the boss will just sort of like say some flippant thing. And, and the funny thing about, you know, processing the input for socializing is what you would often find is depending on how much bureaucracy there was socializing could take anywhere from like, let's say a week to maybe two months, right? D depending on like what you're doing. And often what you find is that you end up with pretty much what you had in the first place, except like, you know, a few different words of text somewhere. But there was all this time spent that really didn't go many places right well, but, but i think a lot of ways the key thing that like when the social if you will and socialize here and oh, I th what you said there was really important is like a lot of times it is about making sure that the person the the if you will the executive making the decision that you've met a lot with their team and really what is that team it's about getting to know that team yeah. sharing your ideas with that team and letting that team become comfortable with you and your ideas and making some some inputs and then oftentimes You'll go through a process of like kind of getting their inputs, maybe even updating the deck. But then after they've kind of seen it, they may actually go back. You know what? We can, quote unquote, move that to the backup slides. I think what you had summarizes it better. You know what I mean? But yeah. then at that point, if it's in the backup, it's sort of like, if you will, that's sort of the the sign that like, yeah, we did all the right work. And then you can sit in the meeting and you, they can be sitting right next to you and be like, you know, we just met with... Uh, Sarah and Bob and whoever, and they, and they're, they're just nodding their heads. Yep. We've seen that. And it's really good. So that, that's why I think it's sort of like, it feels like it could, it could go much faster, but like any relationship, but like, it just takes time. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. There's no other way human beings can kind of get to know each other. And, 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 you know, the other thing I don't really do in these much is give very detailed examples, but like, uh, you know, I'll generalize, but like back when I would be doing acquisitions at various places, like the type and this is emblematic of stuff of anything, but the type of socializing you would get uh, input on is, you know, if you, if you work on acquisitions for any amount of time in, a, in an organization, you learn that everyone has a pet acquisition that they want to do. Absolutely. Right? They, they, they all have a, a logo. 
Um, and so inevitably, <laughs> when you go socialize with them, that logo ends up in your deck somewhere, right? <laughs> like if it, if it's in some somehow related, right? Or or they might have, you know, someone might have a um, like an idea about what's important, right? So like, I'm kind of I'm making up this example more than than basing it on true stories, but like, you know, you could be figuring out like your social media strategy. And like, if I was doing it for like a, a B2B enterprise thing, I would be like, fuck TikTok to be <laughs> R rated. Like I've messed around with that and that goes nowhere fast, right? Like that's just right. a bunch of goofy bullshit. We're right. not, we're not going to sell any Kubernetes and TikTok, <laughs> but you, you might, when you socialize it, someone, someone who, for example, uh, like control something that, that, that you want, right? Like they, they might have budget that you want to use because they own your buffer account so they can schedule things posting. Right. And they might be like, you know, we should do an analysis of if TikTok is, is uh, something we should do. Cause I think it's pretty popular. And like, you know, in your head, you would be like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. Like, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, doing some silly dances to Fleetwood Mac and talking about container orchestration. Right. Like, but, you know, through this thing and this, you know, again, socializing is a lot about finding politics and, and building consensus. But through that socializing, you know, you're like, oh, instead of just saying like, you know, we considered uh, TikTok and X and threads and all this, you're like, yep, we're also going to put a TikTok logo up there. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and that's what you have to say, right? That's right. It. And then that person's like, you know, they've been heard and yep. and and. As we were saying, that's not bad. It might be a waste in like a mechanical process, but we're also, you know, you know, that's, that's one side note, right? Like I've been, I've been doing this, uh, this video series for O'Reilly of my like snarky feeling about corporate life. And like one of the, one of the things that I try to talk about it in it is, is my view of a large company is that it exists for the employees. Like the bigger the company, the more it exists for the actual people working there, all the way up and down the organization, right? Um, and in that way, <clears throat> like when you're socializing something, like it's not really waste because the customer of a large organization is itself largely. Like money, you know, to, to, to like bend a Walt Disney phrase around, right? Like I think he, I haven't looked this up, but I've heard that he said... Uh, we don't make movies to make money. We make money to make movies, right? right? And I think that's the way a lot of large organizations, whether they know it or not, function, right? Is all of those, those people are just, they're the customers for it. So of course, if people want to be heard and involved in a decision, it's just like, they got to do something. Yeah. So, um, and know. I think you're right. And I think at the end of the day, when you quote unquote socialize the deck, one, hopefully people are familiar with it that, you know, at least the important constituents that you, if you will, are trying to influence. But more importantly, that they see themselves or their work in some way reflected in that deck. And I think, you know, yeah. oftentimes like very, you know, just to give a couple of examples, it's like, you know, if you socialize it with the finance people, like there should be a slide that kind of talks about the financial model and the TAM. Yeah. And if you yeah, see yeah. that, they're going to feel yeah. it's good. If it's socialized with the sales team, it's like, there's a story in there. There's a story that they're kind of interested in. They feel like they can tell customers. And then, yeah, and, you, mm -hmm. you know, you know, and, and that is, that is the tactical thing of socializing, which, which, makes it seem a little a little less cynical but it's it's discovering the objections that you would get if you just sprung something on someone and addressing those objections before everyone gets involved in the decision 
right? So like, just like you, your two examples were great, right? Like you could present, here's what I think we should do with the business, but you've never talked with the salespeople. And immediately the salespeople are going to be like, we can't sell that, exactly. <laughs> right? Like we don't have, like, we got to train people. We don't have people in those theaters or regions. Like, what are you talking about? We don't even have like SKU numbers for that. It takes three months to do a SKU number. So what do we, we can't do that. So like, you know, it's, it's doing your due diligence. Uh, that, that might be the more positive way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. So once you've socialized the deck, Cote, it's usually leading to some type of meeting, right? And I think yeah. this one may be, this could almost be like another entire podcast, but we'll try to keep it short here. It's like this famous phrase. I think, I don't know who, who is the quote, uh, original person, but I know Pat Gesslinger has made it famous. It's like, let's have the meeting in the meeting. So what are you trying to say there? Well, this one, uh, and it's kind of, it, it's, it not summarizes, but we've talked about, uh, around this with a lot of stuff we said is oftentimes you have, I mean, I've said it a few times, you have the big meeting, right? There's a date on the calendar because, you know, executives are very busy, <laughs> which, you know, whatever. Uh, every, everyone, everyone's, everyone's fucking busy. <laughs> but, but like, so everyone's busy. You nail down a date. And uh, you're going to have the big meeting where the decision is made. We're going to we're going to acquire this company. We're going to start a new line of business. We're going to increase the budget. We're going to slash the budget. We're going to whatever. Right. Like we're going to open uh, a new store in Maine or whatever. And so like uh, now you would think and I remember when I thought this way, way back when, like you would think that we're having the meeting to educate people about this and pitch the idea and make the decision. But that very rarely is what actually happens. Uh, it's, you know, usually what happens is through all of the socializing and, and, and uh, you know, there's another one, which I think I only released this recently, but by pre-wiring people, uh, which is whatever, we'll talk about that later. But through all these meetings that you've had leading up to this meeting, oftentimes everyone in that room knows exactly what the meeting is going to be like. Like they've all read the deck. They've given their input in socializing. Even the big boss has probably had innumerable conversations with people uh, about what's going on. And so, I mean, it's largely makes the meeting a formality. I mean, and, and you, I would especially see this in, in my career where, um, you know, often we wouldn't even get pet. Not only we'd get to the executive summary, the executive agenda and never leave that slide. Yeah. Or we would just never leave the cover slide. Like it was crazy, right? But it was actually fine because people know all the stuff, right? And um, and then and then the other thing, you know, about that is th there's kind of a tactic to to learn from this, uh, which is, and it kind of like we were joking about a presentation as a word document document accidentally printed in landscape, and it makes you realize that the deck is this thing to be sent around to people and understood. So it needs to kind of stand on its own as just like a briefing to give to people. You don't want to follow that keynote rule of like, you should always be present when giving your presentation. Like that's, that's terrible advice for, for a corporate presentation. Um, so what the meeting in the meeting thing means is that like, and it, this is actually a positive phrase is, is you would want the senior leaders to be like, that's a fucking waste of time. Like let's organize shit. So that we come to the meeting and we have it in the meeting, right? right? And that's that's why, I mean, not not that's why, but I think that's one of the, I've never experienced this, but like, it's one of the things that seems alluring about the Amazon 
like six page memo thing. Now, I imagine that six page memo is socialized heavily or a whatever. lot. I think, I think uh, quite a bit before, uh, and I Which, think it's read and edited. I think Andy Jassy was famous for saying, that I think the original AWS memo, like he, he said, he did something like, you know, 30 to 50 revisions. And I think he was serious about it. I don't think that wasn't yeah, like, yeah. Uh, that wasn't like him making, making that up. But, but, but the theory of the six page memo is that you're given your, your reading time and it's formatted such that like you could come into that meeting kind of cold and read it and then be able to make a decision. You'd have the meeting in the meeting, but really like, I think it's very rare for the meeting to happen in the meeting. Cause you know, the other thing is that because of those busy fucking executives, right? Like anytime you're in a meeting with an executive, whatever's on the agenda is interesting, but you also want to like have your ask to go. Like you, you're going to bring up your own stuff and you use that kind of airtime. So like, unless you really control meetings uh, well, you end up just messing around and not really having the meeting in the meeting. Yeah. And I think this is one of those things, because I think, you know, when Pat Gelsinger talks about this, I think he kind of talks about it as like, hey, I'm cutting through bureaucracy. You know, we're just going to have the meeting one time. You know, I'm just, you know, people are going to walk in and we're going to do it. And it's like, I love the idea of it. Don't get me wrong. But I think to really do it, it requires in such an insane amount of discipline on part of the executives that want to do that. That's yeah, too yeah. much to ask. Because like, for example, like the first thing you have to do is kind of think back to like, well, what's kind of the tone of these meetings? Like meetings play lots of different roles, right? Like, and a couple ideas I have, like sometimes it's sort of like a, a pop quiz or dissertation kind of defense kind of meeting, right? Where <laughs> yeah. it's like, hey, like, you know, we're meeting, because to your point about like, there's going to be a date on the calendar, much like there would be like our PhD dissertation defense or more, maybe more simple. It's like next week, there's a pop quiz, right? And it's like, okay, well, as soon as, as soon as someone tells you that, that there's a pop quiz next week, the first thing you want to know is like, like what material is going to be on it? Like, what should I say? And then you would, and so if it's, if you're having meetings that sort of instill that kind, that the meeting has that kind of tone, which is not like in management has lots of different ways that you can manage. Like a meeting can be used simply uh, like a pop quiz. Isn't so that like the teacher giving the pop quiz gets new information that what it is, is a method to make sure that your students have done the necessary work, mm. right. For them yeah, to yeah. go to the next uh, lesson or the next thing. Right. And I think you can manage that way too. You can be like, listen, I don't actually care. Like I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this material, but I just know if I make the uh, investment banker, the junior investment analyst, if I make them spend 80 hours building this up, right. That at the end, I can just kind of look at one or two slides. But the important thing is that I made them do the work, right. And that's what the role was. So, so if that's the meeting, right, then you can't really have the meeting in the meeting because like anyone that's preparing for a test wants to be prepared. They want to know what's going on. They have to study for it. Right. So I think that's one thing is like, what is the tone the executives are doing? And then two, I think time to your point about time and the level of comfortability, uh, of an executive asking a question, people not knowing the answer. Right. Cause if you're really having the meeting in the meeting, it's very possible. Questions will be raised that were not anticipated, right? And if you if you're upset that the people don't have answer to an unanticipated question, right? It's going to lead to more meetings. And then people are going to leave the meeting and then they're going to tell the story. You're not going to believe it. It went so poorly. Uh, we they asked this, nobody knew. My and then they'll say, like, my boss didn't know. They looked at me and then I looked at this person, and then you know, then the executive displayed some type of negative behavior. I don't know what it is, you know, yelling, silence, pick, pick uh -huh. your thing, right? <laughs> so, 
So if you're doing that as an executive, right? If you're doing any of these things, you can't have the meeting within the meetings. Cause like a lot of times you can have meetings, one meeting with your peers where everyone's kind of on the same level and someone's like, I have no idea what we're doing, but like, we got to figure this out. Right. And it's like, there's <laughs> no one's prepared. Right. It's just like, and then everyone's like, yeah, I get it. And then you just start talking. Right. And then maybe someone takes notes and then afterwards you just kind of document the decision. So that's why I think like, Having the meeting in the meeting is, I think, mostly only possible if everyone's at the same level and there's a lot of psychological safety. And I think yeah, in yeah. a company, you, you have two or three levels of management. And if you have more, I don't see any way out of it. So that would be my, my question back to Pat Gelsinger. It's like, I don't know, Pat, like you seem like a no-nonsense guy and I bet you intimidate a lot of your staff. So I bet you, even if you don't believe there's meetings, uh, meetings for the meetings, there are, right? Because they want to yeah, be prepared. Yeah. They don't want to go in front of you and not be prepared. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the key thing is you need to have a lot of trust in each other, right? Because like, o- otherwise you're, you know, maybe this is another good word. You've got to make sure everything's buttoned up, like, there you, go. you know, that, that it's, uh, it's, it's all rock solid and, uh, and things like that. Like, you know, as, as another thing on that, like, I think, you know, o- over, over the decades, like the other, a lot of times when you're not having the meeting in the meeting is because whoever the big boss is like doesn't really know what they want or, yeah. or what they're asking for. Right. And so like, this is another, I, you know, I don't know if people use this phrase very much, but like an, another, you know, this often results in a rock fetching exercise. And, and what that means is that like someone doesn't really know the answer to a question. And so what they want you to do kind of like your 80 page, your 80 slide deck is they want you to go get a bunch of rocks and bring the rock to them. And they'll be like, I don't like that rock. Not, not the right one. Bring another rock. <laughs> Go get another rock. Right. And so like, like they don't quite know what's going on. And, 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 you know, unfortunately, I don't think people, the, the, the bosses always communicate that very well. Cause you know, that requires a high degree of trust because the boss has to be like, yeah, I don't really know, but it's your job to figure it out. Right. Like, right. And, and that's like a hard, a hard thing. And, 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 because the way you operate in a, let's say a brainstorming way of doing things is a lot different than like, I want this decision made, right? Like instead they want you to just do some research and kind of like walk them through some scenarios and help them come up with, with a good idea of something. But that's a very different approach than sort of like, here's a project we should kick off or a decision we should make. Like, and so like, I think, I think part of the the reasons you don't have meetings and meetings is because you often don't know what the meeting's about and the person calling it also kind of doesn't really know what it's about other than just like, I got to make the number go. (laughs) Well, maybe that segues to kind of our last two topics I think are worth uh, talking here is like we have the meetings, either we have a meeting or uh, several meetings leading up to it. But really at the end, I think most meetings either end up in two ways, right? You end up with either an outcome of some kind and you probably also end up with a bunch of stuff in the quote unquote parking lot. So I don't know, Kote, take them in either order. Which one do you want to define first, parking lot or outcome? Well, so, so yeah, so the parking lot is, uh, um, and you know, like all of these things, there, there's, there's good uses for it. And I, and I think I got, I got not chided. I was, I was informed a little bit uh, over in Mastodon. Of course it was in Mastodon where all the nerds are, <laughs> but you know, a parking lot is actually one of the phrases here that like, can be both good and bad. There's people yep. who, who do it well. But uh, it essentially means that like, you know, you're in a meeting and someone brings up a topic or an idea 
And you probably end up discussing it anywhere from 90 minutes to at worst case, 10 minutes. And finally, someone's like, hey, let's put that in the parking lot, right? And what they're usually, effectively what usually that means, whether it's intentional or not, is like, stop talking about it. It's a waste of time, right? right. Now, mm-hmm. the mechanics of the parking lot are that, and, you know, however people do this nowadays, but like, you know, go up to the whiteboard and someone draws a line usually on the right side, I think, maybe the upper right side, uh, you know, draw a little box. And then you just write down these ideas. And it's just a way to basically, especially with a group of people, it's a way to kind of like um, focus people is, is, is a way to put it well, or to put it in a cynical way to shut people down who are just bringing stuff up, right? right. So, and and this is, you know, you have to do this in, in, a, in a large organization, right? Where your culture is not always great and harmonious, might be a lot of bureaucracy, but it's really important. Like, and we all know this in meetings. We probably have been to to several of them this week where you're just like, why is this person talking about this again? Mm-hmm. Or why are they, this has nothing to do what's, with what's going on. And we've just spent five minutes talking about it. And, you know, we've it's stolen time. It. It's not, nothing's going to change. So you just want like, it's right. not, it's not getting you to some type of outcome. I'm with you. Right. And, and so, so you might be like, let's, 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 uh, uh, you know, we could bring up my silly example again. Like you're, you're having, you're having the, uh, the, you're socializing with someone or having the big meeting about your social media strategy. And someone's like, you know, I found out that you can upload landscape versions of videos that are up to 30 minutes in TikTok. And maybe what we should do is we should explore doing that with some of our videos. And, and, you know, someone, someone might be like, Oh, let's put that in the parking lot. Right. (laughs) Because they're just like, we're already trying to figure out our YouTube strategy and like, see what we, you know, this other stuff. So like, we don't need to, that's too much to, to think about. So let's put it in the parking lot and, and maybe we'll talk about it later and, uh, and, and see what happens. Now, I do think closely related or related and also sometimes um, things that you try to like put it in preemptively put in the parking lot, I think are like what I call like third rail issues where it's something in that same mm-hmm. meeting where someone's like, um, someone's like, you know, we shouldn't be doing social media at all. We should just be doing trade shows. And it's like the meeting is about like the social media strategy. So you have to like sometimes like oh. take those things on and be like, maybe it's a fine, like honestly, there are, and I think every company has like a list of third rail things it's like maybe in the long run, you know, social media is better than trade shows or vice versa. And like, that's a perfectly uh, important conversation that cannot take place today in this meeting. You know, it's like, we have to like, we cannot like, and it's sort of, if you kind of walk it back, we can always come back to like debating the, uh, the merits of uh, human existence and why we're all here. Like if you just kind of keep walking back, <laughs> uh-huh, you can exactly. always get to some higher level issue. And it's like, well, those are interesting ideas. And, uh, but it can also derail meetings and they're, sometimes they are kind of fun to talk about. If you're just kind of like, oh, let's just like have a little philosophy discussion. But it's also sometimes be like, no, we're not going to take on, uh, you know, the origins of the universe in our meeting today. And, uh, yeah. and let's just, uh, like get this done. And maybe there's another way and that's going to spawn a different meeting. But oftentimes there are going to be things in companies that are talked about for decades that really go unaddressed. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, you, just you're, you're, them and not talking about them can be a really good strategy. You, you know, you're bringing up something that, that I, I, I need to figure out some way making a dictionary entry on. I've talked about it with a few people, but like, I don't like this, this question why in, 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 in like a work context. Right. And I feel like, I feel, I feel like to, to word this very nuancedly, 
people's understanding and running with that whole TEDx talk about why from Simon Synecdoche or whatever, which, you know, was great. It makes sense. Like, I think that like people ask why too much, <laughs> right? <laughs> J- just as you were saying, right? Like they need to keep their whys on topic, right? So like, yeah. if the question is like, we're here to talk about our social media strategy, uh, a lot of times what will happen is exactly what you're saying. People will say like, well, let's take a step back. Another phrase that makes me like curdles my milk, so to speak. Let's take a step back and talk about why we're doing this. Like, why, why are we deciding to go down this route? Like, what are we doing? And every time I hear that, I'm just like, I'm out. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and like, because, because oftentimes like uh, there's some other phrasing I can't think about where like, you know, this, 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 this has already been decided, right? Like we're doing that and we're, and this meeting is about this topic. And the why thing is often just like, it, it doesn't really go anywhere. And like the thing, the thing, the thing I, I forget who I was talking with someone, someone this week, but like, I feel like in a corporate setting, you more or less always like reverse engineer or retrofit the why, like you can't really start with a why, like it emerges as something that defines what you do, who you are, how you operate. But like, you know, like, like Apple was the example, right? Like, what is the why of Apple? And, you know, it changes every now and then. But I think the why of Apple is like, you know, just to make your lifestyle more enjoyable, like you see in all the Mm -hmm. pictures and to help creative people. I don't know, whatever, right? Like, um, but like, originally, the why was like making free long distance phone calls. (laughs) And, And so like, like this why evolved over time and then it became solidified. Right. So it's sort of like, and this is getting more towards like what vision and principles and things are, but like, if you start with this abstract why thing, I think there's a high chance that you waste a ton of time. And, and it's like asking why is very dangerous. It, it doesn't really make a lot of and sense. And I, I think, you know, the kind of final tip I'll offer on this one is like, if you find yourself, because I find myself all the time kind of thinking about the why questions inside of these meetings. Yeah, I think you have to do one of two things. Like one, maybe don't go to the meeting. Honestly, like if you're not like critical to it, like if you're kind of thinking like, mm. oh, you know, I don't really feel like we should be doing trade shows. I think it's kind of a waste of time these days. And I think we should just be doing social media or vice versa. And if, you know, if you're not really needed, because this is other thing, strategically not going, if you're kind of like, you know, I'm only going to be in there distracting the stuff. Uh, I think a lot of this is apparent too. Like I think myself, I was like, you know, sometimes it's better for me not to be involved because I'll start having a lot of opinions on stuff uh-huh. and things yeah. like that. So you can kind of self-select, right? And be like, probably this is a meeting I can be busy for. I can, uh, I can quote unquote be on a customer call and couldn't make it. And it's, and it's not that important. Or you go into it kind of knowing you know, I need to self-edit and I, we need to just keep it on track. I just need to offer up the two or three things I have ideas on. And I think that kind of leads to maybe the last topic we'll talk about today is, you know, outcomes, right? Like all of this we've been talking about in the, and at the end of the day is, is trying to lead to some type of outcome. So Kote, give us your definition of outcome. So I, 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 think, I think the kind of neutral uh, definition of an outcome is just like, well, to use another word, the result. But it, it, it's like it's like the goal that you have, right? So the outcome could be, to use my my example, like um, we have more subscribers to our YouTube channel, which translates to like us believing that uh, our brand is represented better, or you know, where an outcome can be a measurable thing, like it can be like we've increased revenue or or whatever. But usually, but the cynical version of it is like it's it's. 
it's the negative version of what you were just talking about. Like oftentimes when people say they are, it's, it's this exact, not it's this kind of, kind of wording that when things go bad is they'll say they're outcome focused and like, we're all outcome focused. It's just a question of like what outcome you want. Right. But when someone is saying they're outcome focused, usually what it means is they're like, we have to achieve whatever this goal is kind of like, no matter what, <laughs> right? Like, and definitely don't ask why, like, I've got to, we've got to sell this many things. We've got to launch this m- much stuff. And so like, I'm only worried about like achieving that kind of no matter how we do it. I mean, obviously you've got to be ethical and legal and things like that, but it's sort of like, yeah, like just make it happen. Like that's, that's, that's another exciting phrase. And so like as, as an underling, uh, someone working for the boss, and this is like what I, what I try to capture a lot in these things is like someone telling you their outcomes oriented can be really good or really bad. Right. And the really bad could be, that they don't care how you achieve the goal and them not caring means you're just going to like work a lot <laughs> and, and like make a bunch of tedious, bad decisions, like just cause they want the goal achieved. Now the positive version of being outcome oriented, this is the version that we workers would like is like, so you're telling me if I can do 40 hours worth of outcome work in five hours, I don't need to work the rest of the week, but like, no, that's not what people are telling <laughs> no, it you. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> right. Like, so it it is it is like this notion of like here's a a goal that we have and our job is not to really like question what that goal is we need to achieve that outcome um and so like you know it could be a good word or a bad word but you got to like figure out exactly what that means by outcome and i and the part that you highlight kind of brought up that i liked a lot is often it's not tacit but there there's often this kind of unspoken or maybe even unconsciously uh thought thing where the boss telling you that they're outcome oriented doesn't really want to be involved. Right. Just like, bring me the outcome. Bye. (laughs) Right. Like I don't need to be involved in the process. I don't need to do extra work. I just need the outcome. Right. And, and so like, you know, in a lot of strategy work, uh, and also in a lot of mark, a lot of all sorts of work, a lot of strategy work and marketing work, and uh, that kind of thinking is kind of like bad delegation, right? And there's a type of delegation, which is what I was just saying, like, uh, I don't want to put in the effort to be to help you do that. It's just like, <laughs> go achieve the outcome, which that kind of gets us back to that. The, the, the meeting and the meeting problem is like, if the executive isn't collaborating, there's a word, isn't like collaborating with someone and like being open with them they're just asking for an outcome and they probably also don't really know what they're looking for. And then you're off on a rock, rock fetch, fetching exercise. Yeah. And I think in the end, maybe that's the most important thing about outcomes is that like, there will probably be, you know, like, like we said before, like there are usually many perspectives and there are usually many people seeking different outcomes. So just taking some time no matter what you're working on and thinking through what you believe every, all the outcomes that are, people are looking for. And I think they can be from like the classic the company needs to make more money to, my boss is very busy. He needs me to just take care of this. 
and your own personal outcomes. Like I just need to get this done so I can go pick up my kids or I need to get this done because I think it's actually going to be very important for my promotion. Or I believe this, I'm going to get this done. It is going to lead to more money. It is going to help my boss get something done and it's going to help me personally. And I think kind of back to, um, as you kind of navigate building the deck, socializing them, go to meetings it's sort of like, think about in the back of your mind, what are the outcomes that you think everybody needs and that you're wanting. And maybe that helps you kind of navigate, you know, what time that you spend in me. Like I said before, it's like, if you're the one that's building a, a great new product and one of the meetings is about social media or trade shows and you're not, you don't ultimately think it's that big a deal. Like it doesn't matter. Like we just need to build a great product. Either one of these things will work. Maybe that's a place where you just don't go, right? And spend yeah, exactly. time there. And then the other thing is though, but maybe the flip side of that is like, hey, you really believe there's an important feature or functionality or market that's not being addressed. Maybe you spend most of your time convincing people that the outcome is to go invest in this area. So um, those are all, you know, some of the things that Yeah. And, and and you know, you're you know, the the other thing is kind of to add to what you're saying about outcomes is like this I haven't really thought about it this way, but you're right. Like it is important to have a detailed understanding and kind of question the outcomes people tell you they ha they have right the, the the goals that they have and really make sure that they that what they're telling you matches what they actually want right and so like for example um like i remember back when i was doing strategy stuff like whenever you do any type of strategy stuff there's a lot of talk about like you know we want to get into this type of business and this is important and whatever and like oftentimes it would just be like, we want to make more money. <laughs> right. And like, like, so how are ways we can make more money? Yeah, right? And, and yeah. like, and then even something as clear as we want to make more money. Like my joke was always like, well, we should get into check cashing then. Right. Like <laughs> that'll just make a shit ton of money. Right. Like, and it's, it's right. low risk. Like it's great. And it's like, so you don't just want to make more money. There's actual parameters of what you want to do and there's constraints. Like, so let's have that conversation, right? Like, yeah. what do you actually want? Not just like, we want to make more money or we want to be revolutionary in this area. It's like, no, 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 no. You probably, this is, this is, I don't really know how to represent this in a succinct way, but like, I found over the years that when you are talking with the big boss, like they usually know exactly what they want. <laughs> right. And, and they just like, and it's kind of like, and I've been through this process again, many companies over the decades where you kind of see the beginning of a project at all levels and it has a pretty simple description. And then through this like multi-week, even multi-month process, it goes up and down through all these different things. And then at the end, the big boss is just like, yeah, so we're going to launch a YouTube channel, right? <laughs> like, and, and you're just like, yes, maybe we should have just done that. We should have just right? done that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like all of that stuff. And, um, you know, to be explicit, I guess the outcome we want uh, everyone here today to take is we want you to follow Kote on TikTok or on his uh, BS Dictionary playlist on YouTube. So I think we got through seven of them today. There are a handful, if not more, out there right now. Um, probably be even more as Cote continues yeah. to upload them. I think the videos, like, you know, we uh, we spent a lot of time delving into them. I think most of the videos, Cote, are like a minute or less, or like maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, so, they're like uh, they're like forty five seconds to uh, 
to 59 seconds. There's one that's like, I think a minute and 40 seconds. All right. So and, you don't and, have to, you can watch them all like in probably 10 minutes. That's what I did yeah. the other day. And, uh, and then of course, if you want the long form take of it, you can come listen to us on the podcast yeah. because that's our other outcome is to promote the podcast, you know, to be explicit. And one of the ways you can do that is you can put a sticker on uh, your laptop, your uh, Tumblr, your kid's bike or whatever it is you have. And in order to get a sticker, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I will be happy to send you uh, stickers anywhere in the world. And Kote, do we have any conferences uh, people may want to attend in the coming months? Well, uh, on January 29th uh, in Round Rock, Texas, there's that conference, which which uh, I've heard is great. And then March 14th to 17th, there's a uh, scale and DevOps Days LA, which uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll be there, depending on uh, how how well I socialize uh, travel budget and things like that. We'll see, we'll see what outcomes we need to achieve and and what the uh, what the reality is. Uh, there's also DevOps Days Birmingham, uh, which is going to be in April of this year. And I don't have it listed here, but there's Configuration Management Camp in Ghent, uh, which is February 5th or 7th. I don't, I forget exactly when, but just go look up Configuration Management Camp, and uh, I should be there as well. That's always. I think that is one of the um, hidden is the wrong word, but it's, it's, it's one of the, uh, uh, somewhat insider conferences under all, the all, radar inside. There you go. Uh-huh. Un- under the radar, like, uh, and, and gets a lovely place to go to. It's a, uh, it's a really great conference and it's, uh, it's, it's good stuff. Adam Jacob last year launched his, uh, his new company. There. Oh, interesting. Like, good. like a month or two before he publicly announced it. I mean, officially publicly announced it. So right. for the big can, launch. Yeah. 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 It's a great presentation. If you go look that up. All right. Well, listen, I have a, a little bonus recommendation here that I don't know, you know, Kote, I don't, we'll give him a second to think if he's got any really good recommendations. Uh, but I've got one that uh, it's not new, but I feel like uh, Slow Horses. This is an Apple TV television show that uh, follows, I guess, the British, uh, I don't know, spy, MI, MI5? Anyway, yeah, because so they're, they're, they're domestic. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like this is a show, I think the first season was a little slow, but I liked it. And then since then, I feel like they've kind of found their, you know, if you will, their pacing, it's like, it's uh, Mm. fun and it's done in an uh, interesting way. And I think they usually have some uh, interesting uh, plot lines and stuff like that. So it's up to uh, season three. I don't think you necessarily have to watch all of them. It would be helpful, but uh, I know some people that didn't get into it. sort of felt like season one was a little slow. So if not, you know what, skip ahead, just start with season two or season three. No one's grading you. No one's going to tell you you're wrong. You can do what you want. Um, and the, the other thing I like about it is uh, there are six episodes. So which is like kind of like to me feels like the perfect length, right? It's sort of yeah. like enough that like you're like, oh, stuff's happening. And then it's going to kind of end because sometimes like the the 10 episodes, I'm like, hmm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of bored. I'm a little lost in there. So uh, if you're interested in uh, for something to watch you know, with your family or maybe just uh, you know, some time away from the family during the holidays, check out Slow Horses Season 3 on Apple TV. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched that season yet because I started to watch it or I was going to watch it and Kim realized that she wanted to watch it and I hadn't watched the first two seasons with her. So we had, we had one of those you know, long-term uh, married uh, moments where she was like, why wouldn't you think I'd want to watch this? And I was like, that's great. <laughs> that you would want to watch this. I would Let's never think that. Yeah. So it's, there's always so many delightful things to discover. No longer, no, no matter how long you've uh, lived together. She also wanted to watch like uh, the Pacific, you know, the, the yeah. lesser known band of brothers. And I was like, yeah. really? And uh, so there you go. Good stuff. Well, my recommendation, 
I haven't, as with many of my recommendations, I, it's more of an idea. I haven't really fully tested this out. But speaking of YouTube videos, if you want to get a lot of views in YouTube, do a video about Dungeons and Dragons. Because no, so far, that is like the fastest, best performing video. I did one about solo role playing with ChatGPT, and it's up to like 3,100 views, like after being up for like two weeks. Wow, nice. So, you know, I don't think it's ever going to make me any money. Uh, so, so that, that, that ratio would be bad, but I've been trying to play D and D, uh, with chat D, uh, I call it chat DM with chat GPT. And I had this theory that like, it knows a lot about D and D stuff. And I keep trying to build up my own world for it. So I write all these long things and feed it to it. And it kind of sort of does a good job. But then I realized, I think it's like read all of the Dungeons and Dragons stuff from the past 30 years. So there's several campaign settings, like world settings. Uh, and I think the most famous one is probably the Forgotten Realms. And so I was thinking, like, why should I train this thing on my own world when I could just play in this environment? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, I'm going to experiment with that and just be like, we're just playing in the Forgotten Realms. And so it knows all the adventures from there. It knows all the characters, all the lore. It just knows everything. So it should be a lot better at coming up with things. A lot is maybe the wrong word. It should be better, but we'll see. But but so I'll I'll see reporting back on that. But if you're experimenting with that, I think it's good to set it in an existing campaign setting and uh, see how that pans out. That is my, um, you know, this is kind of my litmus test for all AI stuff is just like how how good can it be a dungeon master uh, for, for role playing? How much effort does it take and how good is it actually? And based on that, like we don't have anything to worry about uh, with the current state of, of AI. We'll be totally fine. Uh, you know, so if you want to get, uh, links to those videos and there are like, I think there's maybe 15 that I have posted. I've got probably five or six more. I haven't edited yet, uh, to post, uh, but you can find the link to the, um, the, the, the YouTube links and, and TikTok if you want. I don't, as I made clear here, I don't really, I'm not a big fan of TikTok stuff. It's amusing, <laughs> but like, anyways, uh, you can find links to that. If you go to software talk.com slash four, four, six, uh, and you can figure out how to join our Slack and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, I, I, I've writ- written down, wrote down five different things I, I think that I should do a video on. I think empire building, that one will be a doozy. Ooh, like uh, it. That, like that, it. that would be good. But uh, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. So hopefully everyone will, will enjoy this episode. So, Of right, course they'll we... enjoy it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kote. Now we're really going to start. Ready? Mm-hmm.